0: This episode of The MinMac Show is brought to you by our standalone music podcast, Crossfade, which is hosted by music superfan Matt Helgeson, who's the former host of The Gameformer Show. Each episode, he has a special guest on, people like Alex Navarro from Giant Bomb, Jeff Green, Emily Reese, Mike Drucker, the cohorts have been on, and they review their favorite album and a new album picked by Helgeson. There have been some great discussions on David Bowie, Metallica, James Brown, Pink Floyd, Blink-182, Van Halen, the Hamilton soundtrack, the Tony Hawk soundtracks, C.W. McCall's Classic song "Convoy" for some reason.
1: And choppers fill the skies. Oh, well, we shot the line. He's we
0: literally talking about like military intervention to break up their convoy. But they
1: can't break up the convoy. That's what we're they talking about. They can't break up the convoy. Like, it's we're indestructible. united as a convoy. The man can't shut us
2: down.
0: On a recent episode, John Drake, formerly from Harmonix and PlayStation, was on the podcast and told the inside story about one of my favorite games of all time, Beatles Rock Band. But
3: well, we got to go on stage and play in front of the crowd at the E3 press conference for Microsoft, and we came off stage and Sir Paul McCartney just deadpanned 98% really in front of us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So subscribe to Crossfade on your favorite podcast app and let us know what you think and leave a review. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Min Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello, how's it going? Really, really well. And we have a very special guest reigning music champion, I don't know how to phrase this, Emily Reese.
4: I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> the You're, first time I've ever been champion of
0: anything. You are a champion. You are a music expert. <laughs> uh, you do such a great job uh, throughout so many years of covering music. You were on uh, the Moon Next show last year talking about yeah. the best game soundtracks and the best tracks specifically from 2019. And it was so fun to listen to some great tracks that we said, hey, we have to do this again in 2020. So now is 2020. So thanks for joining us from your lovely living room.
4: Oh, yeah. it's I, It's a pleasure. It's fun to talk about music i'm excited
0: yeah i'm looking forward to this too this is what's called yeah. uh, easy podcasting where you just play a track and then sit back and nod this yes. is this is your career though is just nodding to music through headphones
2: it it
4: is especially now since i do everything from home since i do the radio show live every morning uh,
0: yeah. do you want to give us a lay of land <laughs> uh, what might folks know you from in the video game music world
4: uh, in terms of the video game music world, I currently host a podcast called Level with Emily or Level with Emily Reese, and that's on all the places. And before that, I hosted a show called Top Score at Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. So yeah. that's kind of what, what's up there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is what's up there. Uh, last year, you were on talking about Half-Life Alex, and you had just released an yeah. episode that was like diving into the soundscape of Half-Life Alex and talking yes. about like the history of some folks at Valve. Am I nuts? Mm-hmm. Did those episodes ever come out? About no, it has not come out yet.
4: <laughs> wow. First of all, hashtag twenty twenty. Let's just be clear. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we we never got to go back, which was a bummer. Um, and we've done almost all of our final interviews, and we're just kind of there. Just it's just twenty twenty has been rough for everybody. Yeah. So uh, we're we're actually gonna start releasing the first round hopefully before the end of the year. Uh, That would be a little shocking if that actually happens, but we're in, literally everything is edited. It's just, we need one more interview and it's been difficult to get that scheduled because there are some things that still aren't finished. So it's just, um, yeah, God, but I'll tell you what though, I've spent quite a bit of time analyzing the music. Did you guys play it? Did either of you guys play it? Kyle did,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, you, I played it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so you're kind of familiar with Mike's music in the game and stuff. I don't I mean It's,
1: it's very amazing. moody and electronic and creepy. Yeah,
4: it's good. Yeah, and the scales he's using and like the ways in which he's using them and um the patterns and I mean it's it's mind-blowing and uh he and I are really excited to talk about it. Soon. Awesome. So Yes. Is that a long, weird answer? No, no. And I yes, think that covers it. it's still going to happen.
0: <laughs> I, was just, I was thinking about last year's episode that I was scrolling through and be like, did those episodes ever come out? But that's, that's totally yep. fine. Um, but do you you probably have covered so much great video game music from 2020 on the show. So you have a very, uh, you have an encyclopedic knowledge, I'd say, of video game music releasing this year and really throughout the last 10 years in the game industry. So I'm excited to have your mind directed towards 2020. We can talk about some of our favorite tracks here. Um, before before we get to music uh, we should talk about uh, the Game Awards we're recording this before we've seen them so uh, don't expect any hot takes about the Game Awards and the reveals there but if you'd like our reaction to that we stream our reaction on YouTube so if you're listening to this after the fact you can go check out our archive to watch us react to some of the big reveals uh, and all that fun stuff or if you're listening to this ahead of time watching this ahead of time you can tune in I think we'll be starting at 6pm central on Thursday for the reactions on our YouTube channel also Wanted to plug that obviously this is the big week for Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, You're probably excited to start playing it. We are going to tackle it in the most thorough way possible with The Deepest Dive, which is the best, most thorough discussion about games on the internet. So we have the huge community game club. So the first episode of that is going to be airing next week, and it covers everything in the game through Act One. So roughly seven hours-ish. And we're going to put timestamps on for folks so we won't spoil the different classes and their starting areas if you don't want to you'd be able to jump around there but if you want to join us for that you can support us a patreon at any tier and then submit a comment and we'll read it for the huge community game club discussion kyle hilliard sir hello hello how's it going uh pretty good um how are you feeling about let's say the soundtracks in general for 2020
1: well i do not there weren't So, there's some big guns, like Final Fantasy VII Remake was a a good soundtrack that I imagine will show up on your list. Who can say? We each have our top three. Who can say where it's going to land? Yeah, and then the other big one this year, I feel like, was Streets of Rage 4. Yeah. Which I didn't play. So, like, I don't really have, like feedback on that you know what i mean like but i know surreal like loves it and said he would what did he say he he said he would go to the mat for the soundtrack to be on our game of the year list but not necessarily the game itself i think is how he phrased it yeah but um yeah i mean outside of of those like there weren't i didn't I wasn't over the moon for a lot of stuff this year, but I definitely have tracks that I like and enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, by the way,
0: yeah, Patrick Polk from the community
1: submitted a comment
0: uh, about how much you love the Streets of Rage 4 soundtrack. So we, tip of the cap to Streets of Rage 4. Uh, this is very fun, Kyle, because it's a very audio-centric episode of the podcast. And don't be alarmed if you're listening to this. Uh, Kyle has uh, what I can only imagine is 16 <laughs> construction workers running around
1: his house like an old Looney Tunes. What's going on in there, Kyle? Yeah, but when we listen to the music, it's going to be fine because I'm going to, I'm going to turn <laughs> off my mic and we can focus on that. All right. The well, timing is not great to have these contractors here, but it is what it is. Hey, it's going to be dark
0: in about 20 minutes, so they'll get maybe the they'll hell out of there. Dark. I don't know. Uh, but Kyle, uh, top three tracks
1: for 2020. Do you want to kick this off and go with your number three? Yeah. Uh, so my number three, and yeah, I, this Uh-oh. is okay. So my number three is from Zombie Army 4 zombie army 4 yeah it's a track called um destroy the brain or remove the head and i first (laughs) heard it actually with the zombie army 4 trailer yeah and i just like (laughs) fell in love with it i was like what is that song it's very um synth wavy and like very sort of like 80s horror kind of like i don't know it just it i love it it just got stuck in my brain and i just i'm obsessed with it more so (laughs) than the game itself all right here's the track zombie army 4 Yeah. Really heavy and it's just like that sort of synthy background. It's just like really eerie and creepy. I don't know. It just really clicks for me. I really love it. Did this make you play the game? Oh well IGN actually made me play the oh, game. Oh like, I Ghost see. Like that. Yeah. But I, I I like I said I found it actually from the trailer. So I actually like found this track before I actually played the game. That's so bizarre.
0: Hey, Zombie Army 4, Dead
1: War, giving it its due. Uh, nice. Let's see, written. It's weird to like, f- to like say, hey guys, like. listen to this track, and then like we all make eye contact, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. judge my decision. <laughs> that's the thrill of this episode every year, Kyle, is quietly judging everybody's
0: taste. I still I still wake up in cold sweats because, you know, last year I tried to say that the cool stadium song in Pokemon Sword and Shield was great, and Emily Reese said that's the biggest pile of trash I've ever heard in my life. What?
1: I believe that was an exact quote, verbatim. If I recall correctly. Yeah, I was there. We don't need to check the tape. I can confirm. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, Emily. Number three. To
2: listen back.
4: <laughs> number three it's so funny. I didn't know I had to rank them, oh, of and so course. then I had to like write them all down and be like, "Hmm, I think number three is probably <clears throat> the track I chose from Spiritfarer." Ooh, which yeah. is a, a game that was almost too sad for me to play in 2020, you know what I mean? It was like almost too sad of an experience. Just too much about at death. At times I was just like, this is too much.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
4: um. But just such a beautiful game. Did you guys play yeah, it? Those, hug,
1: those you- hug animations are too good. Dude, They're I mean, stark.
4: just don't don't even, stop it. It's like you might as well just put baby Yoda up in front of it or something <laughs> like that. I can't even. Um, but it's like such a beautiful game. And I, I also kind of want to echo... Um, Kyle, what you were saying about how you didn't play Streets of Rage, so you don't, you know, that 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 music doesn't quite resonate. Like, and I realized that I chose music from games I played, and so that's, I mean, it does matter, right? Yeah. It can really influence. So anyway, I played the shit out of Spiritfarer then and loved it, and um, I really love the Hummingbird track and there's the latter half of it is just really beautiful little like clarinet and flute duet or something like that and um yeah should
0: we
1: jump into it
4: adorable yeah let's let's hear it
2: Ah! Mm -hmm.
4: that part's great too yeah the opening part is great
1: with ben hansen squawking over it
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) they <laughs> <laughs>
4: I just think that's beautiful writing. I, I love. I just love that yeah. so much. It, yeah, it's, and it's just so small, it's so short and intimate and lovely.
0: <laughs> yeah. When I was thinking about the soundtrack to Spirit Fair, I thought of maybe just because of the song that really drives into your soul, but like the plant growing song that you have to like constantly repeat on the guitar. Like I, that was <laughs> yeah. that was up there for me. Just like a good simple track that I just love doing that simple input over and over again. Yep, that was amazing. Yep. Um, my number three is I was debating between a couple things, uh, and I'm sorry to kick this off on such a downer note, Uh, but this is from the ending of Dreams, kind of the grand finale for Dreams, the the campaign in Dreams for Media Molecule, if you want to put it that way. Um, But in the game, you're kind of trying to get the main character's life back together and kind of reassemble a band, and when the band's all together, there's this song that just plays at the end, and it's just an awesome visual experience. You can imagine basically Media Molecule, Media Molecule doing a music video for this song, which is a cover um, from a band called Bad, Bad, Not Good. But this is, oh. do you know them?
4: Well, yeah, they're a Canadian band and they, they've actually done like Zelda and before. They've done covers from Oh, really? Before. Oh, fun. Yeah. Now, now
0: their song is covered in Dreams, but yeah, this is called Time Move oh, nice. Slow, which I thought was appropriate for 2020. So here's Time Move Slow from Dreams. go sorry to bum everybody out but that's time moves slow from dreams yeah something a little bit different not exactly chiptunes but i love that you know media molecule their soundtracks to little big planet games were so fantastic and i love dreams just has so many weird quirky songs there's a password song which is insane but i like their tradition of choosing some you know off-the-beat music choices for
1: their games here uh they've
4: always been amazing at that
1: yeah kyle number two what do you got man uh number number 2 is a game that I'm sure I'll be talking a lot more about. <laughs> uh, Are those
0: contractors getting closer and closer to you every time it's your turn to talk?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's how fast it is. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um but The Pathless, uh mm. The Pathless a fantastic game uh from the art director of Journey. The soundtrack is from Austin Winery, who yeah. also did the soundtrack from Journey. And this is a track. This is one of the boss tracks. So, if you can imagine in this sequence, you're like flying through a forest that's literally on fire chasing down like a giant beast that's just like trying to outrun you. It's it's awesome.
0: Well, here we go, uh, Sernos from The Pathless.
1: it is like it builds and does different things later in the track there's like throat singing and stuff. yeah well this part here yeah yeah and every every boss like has that sequence where you chase them through a flaming forest and everyone has their own soundtrack but this one happened to be my favorite
0: interesting yeah for a section there it sounded like the robin hood theme combined with your contractors banging randomly (laughs) which is perfect
4: those french horns are amazing
0: yeah it's so easy just to put composers yeah, but it's always so easy to like put composers in a box or just be like, Austin Winner, he's going to do like Journey-like soundtracks, I think I get it. And then when
1: I heard what he was going for for The Pathless, it's just, oh, this is completely different than I expected. Yeah, he's also credited as the electric kazoo player in the credits. Okay. Which is, which is weird. That's
0: <laughs> give, great. Give him his due. I googled
1: it, it's not a thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emily? Pick up. Yeah, yeah.
1: Your number two?
4: Number two is from Ghost of Tsushima, because... I mean,
2: yes, <laughs> you got to <into> do uh, it.
4: <laughs> I mean, the the first time I ever like sat down and did the haiku thing. Did you guys play Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah, yeah. So the haiku thing might be the best
1: game of the year. I don't want to get ahead of Ooh, it. Ooh, interesting. I mean, take Kyle.
4: Just <laughs> such a moving experience, and I'm just every game I've played this year has been a super profound experience, just given the situation and everything, and and you know this game is made me think about things and I've just experienced it differently than I think I would have experienced it a year ago. Huh. And I have, I think much more patience for a scene like the haiku scenes, because it's really slow moving and it can be, you can rush through it if you want, but it just pays off to just be peaceful with those scenes, you know? And um, I, I just found the the music that plays uh, which is you know just a single voice over what I think is a Biwa, which is a um Japanese lute kind of thing. Uh it's just it's just beautiful. I, I think it's beautiful. So great, yeah. yeah here's this the, is the haiku music called I think Forgotten Song or something like that. Yeah, I think it's called
0: I think yeah. that's right. <laughs>
2: you mm-hmm.
4: I don't know if that's a Biwa. I don't think that's a Biwa, but it's, it's just beautiful. Instrumentation, and then when the orchestra comes in, it's so pretty, too. And the flute, and beautifully done, everything in that game, man.
0: Um, Emily Reese, music expert, how many instruments are there? <laughs> how many instruments are how there? How many instruments right now could <laughs> you name? Like, you know, I could do the same with Kyle with Pokemon or something, but if you were, like, yeah. locked in a room and had to name instruments, are we talking 150? What are we up to?
4: Oh, I could probably name hundreds, but I mean, I mean, probably just in Western culture. And then there are so many instruments from other cultures, many of which I don't, I'm not very good at naming, like just that instance. To me, that sounds like a pipa, which is a, a Chinese lute. And it's not going to, they're not, I know they wouldn't have
0: done that.
1: That's Look, Emily, tab- I know you think you can get away with just making up words because we're not experts. But- <laughs> yeah, is that
0: a Biwa or a Peepwa? I forget exactly which one it is.
4: <laughs> but no, I, I seriously, I can't. I mean, someone like Austin Wintry, for instance, would mm. be able to be like, oh, that's a this, you know, because he's composed with them and studied for various projects and stuff. So composers are, especially video game composers, tend to be really good at naming Instruments from cultures other than the Western classical tradition. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just there alone, there's dozens and dozens,
0: you know. I'm amazed by your knowledge. Um, (laughs) Well, this probably has more recognizable instruments. Uh, My second favorite track is from a little indie RPG, kind of a turn-based strategy RPG. You can compare the combat in the game to the Mega Man Battle Network games, but it's called Iconfell the name of the game. It's about uh, witches in the forest. Uh, I-K-E-N-F-E-L-L. And this is the battle theme to Ikenfell Ikenfell and people in the backstage pass watching us live at the $10 tier uh, mentions, or this week in video games specifically mentions that uh, the game's out on Game Pass uh, as well if anybody wants to check oh, out Ikenfell there. but
1: Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I hadn't heard that. A little uh, bit of yeah. Gerudo in there from Zelda and like some chiptune y stuff. I like that a lot. It's yeah. just
0: such a weird fusion of, yeah, kind of the chiptune layer on top of a more folksy feel. Emily, put better words in my mouth. <laughs>
4: Uh, no, I love that. Like hybrid nature. When the, when the chip tunes came in, it was great, but it did sound, uh, you know, kind of almost Celtic for a half a second there, just because that upper voice sounds a little bit like an Irish flute kind of thing, yeah. you know, like, um, but yeah, no, that was great. Kind of like, kind of hillbilly a little bit, a little bit of bluegrass in there. Yeah. Feel. It it's really cool got bit.
0: it all. Um, yeah. Kyle, are we at number one, your number one
1: favorite track from 2020? Yeah man, we man, did it. Yeah. All right, take it away. Uh it's from Hades. Uh Hi, Hades has such fantastic music. I mean, it's actually it's funny um uh, what's a supergiant. I've only dabbled in most of their games, oh, but really? I've like listened to their soundtracks like excessively. Like I love the Bastion soundtrack. Yeah. Uh oh, yeah. and this is like you know goes toe to toe with that like the Hades music is fantastic and you hear it a lot because you're looping through the game often you know (laughs) yeah I always
0: um every time I have to like test out a sound system or if I'm plugging equipment in for some reason just whenever I need to test out does this have audio right now I just go to YouTube and type in video game soundtracks and it's always the bastion full soundtrack up on top I don't know if that's like you know (laughs) is tailor made for me or what but uh, it's always bizarre Uh, but okay here is the painful way from Hades
1: ready to fight some demons you get excited you know i don't care for the talking part Yeah, Hades was a, a fan favorite. For sure. A lot of people from the community submitted tracks from Hades as well. But so good. Yeah, listen what's that background? Th- I mean, it's I mean, Emily, correct me. It's almost like Thereminish E, like a little bit, just kind of this like moan in the background that's just sort of consistent. Play, I love that.
4: I mean a little bit of it again. I was listening more to the like sitar thingy happening in there.
0: Oh, when I have
1: you, bad news here? already closed out of it. Sorry. Oh <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you'll
1: it's never right. know. You'll never know. Yeah, but a great know. track. Yeah, I love this whole soundtrack for that game's fantastic.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
4: Darren Corb, he's a champ. He is, he is class act.
0: Yeah, uh, Jim Chatterton the community uh, submitted a track and also mentioned that Darren Korb is just a master. Uh, so here's uh, he Jim Chatterton's uh, track is out of Tartarus. Then John Skavik also submitted that track, but a later portion of it here. So here's John's favorite part of this track. <laughs>
1: I Hell just, yeah! I expect Zach De La Rocha to just start rapping like any moment.
2: <laughs>
1: I feel like I need to
0: learn how to play guitar just so I can play that part in the beginning. Wouldn't that feel satisfying? Like You can feel the physicality yes. of him strumming the guitar in the opening. It's just incredible. Yes. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, where are we at? Number one, Emily Reese?
4: Number one, man. I, I love this soundtrack so, 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 so much from Steve Pardo. And it's for a game called Signs of the Sojourner. Did you guys play Signs of the Sojourner?
0: I don't even know if I've heard okay. of it. What is it?
4: I didn't even play. Actually, I didn't play Signs of the Sojourner. Crazy! I said that I chose tunes from games I played. I did not play Signs of the Sojourner. Feels like um, it. It uh, it's I guess like a a card game, but more advanced like that, and you build relationships and trade cards as you travel. Huh. And it, I, I'm I'm not really sure. I. But the music is fantastic, and I will listen to that soundtrack for the rest of my life. Like, I I love having it on in the background, and to me, I mean, that's such a different experience than, you know, like, if I listen to Ghost of Tsushima out of the game, it's just, it's still great, a great soundtrack, but the experience isn't as good to me as enjoying the music with the game and uh this signs of the sojourner i just i just think the whole soundtrack is amazing so steve pardo used to work with harmonics oh really harmonics and um now uh works i can't remember the name of the studio but um
0: is it skew sound
4: yeah skew sound okay yep perfect yep that's the name of the sound studio so they do audio for games you know music sound effects um They help with voiceover stuff like that, so.
0: Nice. I'll play the track here. By the way, Emily, I think your microphone's rubbing up against your shirt if you want to watch that, but here's Signs of the Sojourner. (laughs) So unexpected! Every layer of that song is like, where? What genre is this? What is this thing?
4: I know, and the whole record sounds like that, and it's absolutely fantastic. Like, I, I literally was just like, I'll just send him that track. I mean, it wasn't even like that's my favorite track. Like, I just love that. It's so good. So, oh, so good, yeah. That's wild. Thanks yeah, for that the I radar.
1: It. I, that was
0: fantastic, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, I I cannot recommend listening to the whole soundtrack enough. Like, seriously, it's just, it's. I really recommend it. It's so good. <laughs> huh.
0: Uh, the names of all these games yeah. are in the descriptions below, by the way, if you want to make sure you're spelling it right, if you want to look them up a little bit more. Uh, my number one track of the year is probably not a big surprise. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. There it uh, is. <laughs> Probably the greatest video game soundtrack known to man. I, I didn't mean, even
4: know that came out this year. No, I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, I know you, you love uh, Western RPGs more than JRPGs, but did you check out remake soundtrack at all?
4: I listened to it. Yeah, I listened to it for sure. And it's amazing. I mean, of course it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, let's listen to... Uh, God, choosing a favorite is impossible, but I'm going with... It's called The Valkyrie. It's for a pretty forgettable boss fight I think like in chapter 15 but here's the Valkyrie from Final Fantasy 7 remake. Obviously, the entire soundtrack is amazing. I love Valkyrie in particular just because as far as I can tell, it's not building on anything from the original game. It's just a wholly original song. But, I mean, the the remixes, how they add and extend all the tracks from the original game, it's incredible. There's a lot of incredible parts about Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I just think about like that audio team. You know, and like the, there's three composers. So it's Umatsu, the original composer, and then Hama Uzu and Suzuki. Um, but just imagine that team like feeling that weight of responsibility of, oh my gosh, we have to make the soundtrack to a new version of Final Fantasy VII. How do they top it? And out of any department working on that game, I feel like they just went above and beyond and blew us away. It's just amazing. Um, there's obviously more tracks from this game, then we should probably play a little bit. Um, so one of them is their version of the boss fight theme, which in the remake you hear with like the sentinel scorpion boss fight at the beginning is just an amazing rendition. Obviously, this part here, a lot of people, it's their favorite track, but they extended it and added uh, even more than you can imagine here. So for the airbuster boss fight, this is what it sounds like now. to take already one of the most badass songs from Final Fantasy 7 and then to add that chorus to it is just awesome. Okay, last one with the boss theme, I promise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, somebody else submitted this in the comment as well. Um, But uh, the Hell House music. Let's let's play a little bit
1: of this. Wait, hold on. Can you explain what's happening in this scene to Emily? Uh, (laughs) Emily, you know, like how you feel about your house
0: at the end of 2020 where you just hate it and it feels yeah. like a fire inferno that you have to battle every day um, that's what this is about it's about fighting your house okay here's how that's house. literally everybody. a boss
1: battle against a house it's, <laughs> it's a house that moves around and you fight it
0: and there's um, <laughs> announcers like from the WWE screaming at you about what a son of a <laughs> this house is okay here we go <laughs> all right
1: ridiculous Fantastic. <laughs> just beating the crap out of the front door of a house with a bat with nails in it for
0: way too long because I wasn't using the correct strategy so it really was like a 45 minute fight and I didn't care because like that 8 minute track just kept looping and it's just ridiculous that's amazing um and okay I promise this this is the last one but it wouldn't be right if we didn't play this song from Final Fantasy VII Remake um this is they created a, a new character called Stamp who's a lovable little puppy Um, And this is Stamp's theme from Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's like, it's a real TV intro from the 70s. Like, I can't imagine how that team put that weird song together. I love it so much.
4: Like, How did that one rate lyrics? You know what I mean? Like, what makes them decide, oh, this one needs
0: lyrics. I know. Well, (laughs) it's like, I guess, the in-world commercial propaganda of this stupid mascot for Shinra. But yes, it's bizarre. Um,
1: Kyle, did you have more honorable mentions? I, I had one, uh, wanted to get a nice chip tune track in there. Of that course. I sent you, uh, from a game called Kunai, uh, which was kind of a Metroid-y sort of pixel game. I don't know. It wasn't that, it wasn't really pixel art, but I, it, I really liked it. It's a great game and I liked this track in particular. Sweet. This is Battle Cruiser from Kunai. Mega Man X energy, which is yeah. a nice overlap for, for me. me. It's perfect for you That's
0: sweet. Kunai Battle Cruiser. Good choice. Um, and the honorable mention category. I have uh I have a couple quick ones. First of all, uh this is—it's almost cheating, but in terms of like leaving an impression with you with music, uh, we should mention Sackboy: <laughs> This Big Adventure, for having some uh, interesting music choices here. Here's an underwater theme uh, for a level, and you're just playing through it, then you start to realize like that song is so weirdly familiar. Sorry for the sound effects.
2: Yeah, it's Madonna.
0: Yeah. They just have like these subtle little covers in this platformer. And then they actually have uh, real music in there as well. Just like the original version for some really odd song choices throughout there.
1: Yeah, Toxic
0: by, there's a Toxic by Britney Spears level. Nice. When I think Sackboy, I think Toxic by Britney Spears. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, when I think of good music, I think of toxic. Hell yeah! So.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Here's another one um, from a game that I don't think they're supporting anymore, but I think it's still live, which is called Darwin Project, which is like a small scale, very Hunger Games inspired battle royale. But I can't find the name of the composer, but it's so wild. So think Hunger Games, and then this is the main menu theme. weird to have like the raspy breathing in there. What would you call that, Emily? That's
4: strange.
1: Uh, I'd call that weird raspy breathing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes,
1: uh, music expert. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they nailed it, though. Like, I can see holograms of teenagers' faces like, yes, in the sky. exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you get the idea. Um,
0: we have other tracks that were submitted uh, by the community. A lot of love. First of all, uh, a lot of love for Persona 5 Royal and it's soundtrack but it was tough to know i don't know what's a new
1: track you what's know, an old track i i actually considered adding that even though i didn't play it i just listened to my wife play it so yeah much. but like it was like that came out last year is the soundtrack from last year but like yeah that soundtrack is so good for sure um also hunter s sacks wanted to uh remind us that
0: the last was part two had an amazing soundtrack i don't know if there was one standout track but emily did you have thoughts on that soundtrack overall
4: I loved that soundtrack. I think I liked the first one a little better. But, yeah. But I liked the I feel like I liked everything about the first one a little better. Um, Interesting. than the second the, one,
1: but it's the only media period that has a really like sad affecting cover of Aha's Take on Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um With all these covers, I love it. So good. <laughs> uh so we had yeah.
0: a lot of people write in as well about uh Ori, uh, oh, the Will yeah. of the wisps. that was
4: going to be one of my honorable mentions for sure. Will of the wisps. I mean that, that was so, so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just so beautifully done.
0: Lucy Yearwood wrote in about it. Also, Jeremy Clark. Here's uh, Jeremy Clark's favorite uh, song, which is called a shine upon inkwater marsh. music was composed by gareth coker that's his name right emily
4: yep gareth coker and he's just fantastic and yeah i mean that's all real obviously real instruments and huge orchestra and just uh everything bigger and better i mean the first story was amazing in every way and this one was just more amazing in more ways (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so yeah the music for that's so good god i love that track too i'm so glad that that who sent that in? Good job, person.
0: Jeremy Clark. Here are the Good people. Job, Jeremy Clark. Yes. Um, and then Gareth had a crazy year because Gareth also uh, wrote *Immortals: Phoenix Rising*, that Ubisoft game, and I think it has a really strong main theme here. Gadoosh! Nice. He has found his groove. Do you think it's frustrating for composers just to be like, okay, you're the kind of dreamy, fantastical composer. Make us a theme that sounds like Ori.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
0: I
4: don't know. I guess it depends on how many zeros are in the paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know see how, how Ubisoft
0: can really <laughs> do it here. Uh, we had more uh, community submissions here. James Smith uh, had an unusual submission, but I love it. He says, I think... This ha- oh, I think this has to be the well oh, hang. On. I think this has the potential to be one of the most underrated soundtracks of the year, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Its music perfectly evokes a theme of exploration and relaxation that I'd expect from that game. But here's some Microsoft Flight Simulator music.
1: Temperatures for the rest of the week. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice though. Good. That's not an insult. I like. I really like. I the mean, there's yeah, part it's of me that's nice. like,
0: well, that's of course what a flight simulator soundtrack should sound like. But it's like, oh no, there's still a lot of skill involved in making something that that's soothing. <laughs> um, Gabe Brandolino says, Call of Duty 17, Black Ops 5, Cold War has a soundtrack that really surprised me this year. Uh, Comrades in Arms is my particularly favorite track. And I guess uh, this was composed by Jack Wall. And didn't he do Mass yeah. Effect 1, Emily?
4: Yeah, he's done actually a couple different Call of Duty games as well. Uh, but yeah, he did, he did the first Mass Effect. Is,
0: oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. All right, here's uh, some music from Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War.
1: Call of Duty, everybody. Hey, I've always appreciated a little, that. Little synth snuck in there, you know. Yeah, a Mass Effect synth just in the background. For sure. Well, that's set in the '80s. Yeah, you got to have some of that going in there. Um, I
4: just but, like how they they do spend money on their music, which is you know because they could just and they don't, and it's nice. Yeah, I
0: like that about them. That is true. Just uh, put some uh, snare drums in there, and that's just on loop. But yeah, it's always it is yeah. always interesting. Um, Medi Monster wrote in just wanted to give a shout out to Risk of Rain 2 saying it has the perfect music oh, for exploring yes. an alien planet uh, let's hear yes. this real quick
4: so good yes
0: kyle there's your synth quota nice yeah it's it's met officially gonna go track that one down <laughs> we hit it uh ben van Houten says hey everybody just wanted to pop in and say that for my money i think the best video game track this year is midnight rendezvous from final fantasy 7 remake as much <laughs> as i enjoyed the doom eternal music i feel like this track in particular uh is so aching and pretty it makes me want to die in the best way possible oh cool here's midnight rendezvous from mm-hmm. rendezvous why can't i say that right rendezvous Rendezvous, rendezvous right. from 5 remake. another new track it's amazing how much it fits into that old groove of Final Fantasy 7 where it doesn't seem too jarring yeah. or out of place um, Matt Lynch has to mention it uh, Astro's Playroom GPU Jungle do you know this song Emily? no uh uh-uh. okay this is um, a level that takes place inside of the Playstation 5's GPU um, and the song okay. well here it is yeah. gpu everybody the gpu jungle uh that's from kenny young and i think when we talked about astro's oh, playroom kenny. yeah on, on the podcast kyle i think i was like ah it's just kind of like recycling a lot of other tracks from astro but turns out there's a lot of original music in there and i kind of undersold it i think at first brush kenny
4: young you know did the first little big planet yeah and the second one
0: yeah. yeah yep 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 he's in that cool hip sony circle uh yeah. but another <laughs> great soundtrack from him um let's see one after 909 uh wanted to recommend uh a track from paradise killer here's uh what is it called paradise stay forever from paradise killer that's going to stand out in any game you're playing. I'm just like, what is (laughs) the soundtrack? This is awesome. Uh, I feel like
4: it could be like GTA Vice City or something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Tommy Versetti is going to walk through the day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cree McGee uh, says, one of my favorite songs from this year is one of the most underappreciated games as well. Uh, It was mentioned last week, but Paper Mario and the Origami King. It's called Sweet Paper Valley, and it really is just a very fun, catchy take on a Whistle Morricone Western theme, but worth playing. Hades? Never mind. we go always fun to hear um and then last one uh, david arlene just had to mention that the turkey day theme from animal crossing absolutely slaps here's the turkey day animal crossing theme <laughs> envisioning like a parade through the streets of new orleans where everybody's dressed up as their favorite turkey
1: it's a little soft it's a little softer than new orleans though i was gonna say
0: like
4: maybe pensacola florida or something (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: and then also uh Tada-doo, had to slip in there that the 5pm theme from Animal Crossing is not messing around. Here's the 5pm theme from Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> You're just getting some chores done at 5 p.m. This is the sound of 5 p.m. Everybody,
1: <laughs> or you know, getting into your Nintendo 64 gyrocopter to fly mm. across something that kind of looks like the United States, but it's a little bit. This is a pilot wing of 64. So. <laughs> hey man, we're picking it up. I like it though. This I like this one. I like this one more than the turkey one. You're bashing the good turkey song, Kyle. <laughs>
0: Outrageous. Turkey
4: turkey day was pretty great
0: uh thanks to everybody that submitted uh tracks uh there was a lot of Final having a lot of son Five overall so thank you so much everybody uh good year for game music i think there's a lot of fun stuff out there so hopefully we opened your eyes a little bit
1: to something that you weren't listening to before um kyle do you have any wise words before we let you go um try to schedule contracting jobs around uh recording sessions Okay, great. Yeah, please write that down. Please remember that. Let that be your New Year's resolution
0: for 2021, everybody. Uh, Kyle, do you want to clap out of here, dude? Here I go. Ana Diaz and Jeff Marquia Fava, welcome to the podcast. We did it. You did it. Thank you for being here. Um, Ana, um, can we hear that voice, Please. (laughs) <laughs> Hang on, is your audio working? Okay, I think it's slowly coming through, inch Wait, by inch. Wait, really? It just cuts out. It never lets you say hi. That's the weird That's, thing about your mic.
5: Yeah, it's, you know what, it's too smart for me. It's just, you know, it thinks that it's my cat meowing in the background, mm-hmm. and it's like, we don't want that.
0: Right, though. well, you know you say hello by saying hello and not the word meow, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right, Use <laughs> yeah. That is technically
0: true. <laughs> uh, Jeffum, do you know how this whole thing operates? Um, apples? (laughs) That's (laughs) right, everybody. Apples, which you can find at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. We are a crowdfunded organization. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Uh, If you support us at any tier, you get access to the wonderful Discord. You're able to submit comments for the show, questions for us to read, uh, unlock podcast versions of The Deepest Dive, like on Cyberpunk 2077, all that fun stuff. Um, But we have some wonderful supporters, including a handful of new supporters, Anna...
5: Including Pretty Good Printing. PrettyGoodPrinting.com is an online print shop that offers flyers, invitations, stickers, banners, and more. I've spent years opening and managing print shops for others, yada, yada, yada. I figured it was finally time to do it myself. Soon, the website will have customizable templates as well as theme sticker packs with custom designs. If there is something specific you need, feel free to reach out Via the contact page and use the promo code MIDMAX for 10% off your order. Uh, and just for reference, it's pretty good printing, pretty with two T's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then off. the promo code MinMax with two N's. Ana, yeah. I thought that was really rude of you to yada yada your way through this ad. They're paying us and supporting MinMax.
5: Oh, I was <laughs> I was reading the copy word for word. But you know what? Here's what I'll say. I'll uh, do I'll do a little off scripting here. Uh, yeah. Some yada yadas, if you will. Please. Um, if you're looking for a place to, you know, make specialized like meme stickers or game stickers or like me personally, like, Oh, maybe you want to get some anime boy stickers. You (laughs) should, you should check them out.
0: (laughs) I was just thinking about pretty good printing uh, the other day because I was thinking about gifts for my sister and she's really tough to buy gifts for, but she's like, we went to her house in Duluth uh, over the summer and she has like post-it notes everywhere where she wrote like positive messages on it. Like, embrace the day a rainbow will fill your mouth or whatever you know just that type of stuff and so i was like god what would be a good gift and i thought ah i could i took pictures of all of her sayings because i wanted to do something with them i'm like i should just print out a bunch of stickers from pretty good printing with her favorite sayings that she could just slap on i don't know oncoming traffic i don't know what exactly she wants to do but that's pretty good (laughs) everybody check them out and use the promo code minmax because they support us we appreciate it also thanks oh hang on i shouldn't even set this up this is a natural delivery Hey uh, Jeffem, um, do you yeah. like do you like puzzle games? Do I? Well then, I you do. should. <laughs> Good. Then please check out Appa Switch. Now available on Xbox. Appa Switch features over ninety handcrafted levels and a randomizer for never-ending puzzles. Inspired by classic games such as Lights Out and Hexic, it's a logic game that's fun for the whole family. And get this. Oppo Switch was developed by Rich McLaughlin, longtime supporter of MinMax. Drop on the Discord and ask him about Oppo Switch, indie game development, or just thank him for supporting the show. The best part, it's just $5 for Oppo Switch. Unwrap some fun this holiday season with Oppo Switch! that's Thanks. awesome yeah
4: that's fantastic
0: yeah rich developed his own game appa switch released on xbox and i was like why xbox and nothing else He's like, i just like xbox so he pointed out that <laughs> it's technically an xbox exclusive so check out Oppo switch uh he sent a code my way as well and it was like oh this is a really interesting idea that i'd never experienced in a game before we we're just unlocking a grid it's very hard to describe but check it out it's only five dollars if you like puzzle games that get you know progressively more difficult but I was like, I'll check it out for a couple minutes. Ended up playing for quite a while. It is surprisingly addictive so check out Appa Switch on Xbox there. Um, also, hey, check out This Week in Video Games for your regular fix on the latest reviews, news, features, and interviews from the world of gaming. Whether you're into next-gen platforms, indie gems, or interviews with industry experts, This Week in Video Games has you covered. There's a podcast every two weeks along with bonus news roundup shows when major news drops. This Week in Video Games also specializes in Destiny 2 content covering everything from the latest going on in Beyond Light to useful guides for exotic weapons and also builds as well as guides for making your guardian even more powerful I also delve into the lore explaining the stories and mysteries of destiny if you want to level up your guardian and get hold of all the best weapons armor and mods the game has to offer then search this week in video games on YouTube and subscribe for daily destiny updates as well as destiny content this week in video games focuses on some of the best indie gems out there there are interviews with Inkle Studios polygon treehouse and feel better games plus many more so if you're interested in hearing from developers designers Voice actors and writers, and how they make games, subscribe to This Week in Video Games today. If you want your gaming content with a British twist, check out This Week in Video Games on YouTube, the website games.com or on all your favorite podcast apps. Thank you to all of our new supporters. We appreciate uh, you supporting max and we get to plug your wonderful stuff. And I love it when it's people from the community that have been around for a long time. Uh, Also, thanks to I Am 8-Bit, going way back. Uh, They want everybody to know that they have a PlayStation 5 physical edition of The Pathless from Annapurna in their store. It comes with a giant fold-out poster, reversible cover, sheet collectible art cards, exclusive artwork by Emmy winner Elaine Lee, and it's worldwide compatible. Also, they have the vinyl soundtrack to The Pathless. Uh, composed by Austin Winery, which has a song that Kyle coincidentally also featured as one of his favorite songs from 2020. So get that song on vinyl and help support im 8-Bit because they support MinMax. And you can use the promo code MinMaxmus uh, for 10% off everything in their store under $100. Thanks to I Am 8-Bit for supporting us. We choose something... Now we choose our favorite question of the week every single week and then I am eight bit ships out something from the wonderful store as a huge thank you because they're very generous with our community. And so this week our favorite question of the week will win the Watam soundtrack. Uh, it's a double LP vinyl soundtrack uh, from Watam from last year. So, let's get to these community questions. Answer, yes, answer, sir. That was
3: that was Minmax like X M A S, right? M I N N M A X M A S. Okay. Yeah. You said min max mus, which sounded yeah. a little weird. Yeah, I was
0: gonna ask, how's that spelled? <laughs> you know, it's like Christmas. Yeah, like Christmas.
3: <laughs> how do you Chris say mus? Christmas? <laughs> Christmas. How
0: do you? Th- there's a fine line <laughs> Christmas. there. Christmas. I don't know how miss, to speak. Right. Christmas. Like yeah. Like a Chris Christmas. Swiss miss Anyways, hey Gio Bonagi writes in and says, Ahoy, min max crew. A uh, few games I feel have reached the ubiquity of Skyrim. I feel like I can mention that game to almost anyone, and they would have some idea of what I was talking about." Uh, do you think Cyberpunk will hit that same level of fame or will it be too niche to make a name for itself in the wider world? I think that is a tall order. I know expectations yeah. are very high and judging from the internet, hype is very real for Cyberpunk. Now we're all unpacking it on our own, but I think expecting it to hit Skyrim levels is insane.
3: Yeah, I, I think the the two things about that is I think that nothing comes close to the broad appeal of fantasy when it comes to RPGs. Like that is kind of the classic adventure that kind of everyone can get behind. And also I think the the modding is what has really kept Skyrim relevant for so long. For like, you know, over a decade or whatever crazy amount of time Nine it's been. Years, like that, yeah. that is what has really kept it going, along with being on every single platform that has ever come out. That's and we'll I don't, I don't know that any any cyberpunk-themed thing will ever be able to come close to that.
0: Well, I'm trying to even remember how big was the modding which with Witcher 3. I guess I didn't see it to that same extent uh, that Skyrim is, but that is such a high bar again. But yeah, I mean, yeah. there is definitely, it has reached that layer beyond the casual gamer, though. I mean, cyberpunk is going to sell bananas and it'll continue to sell well next year when the actual next-gen versions come out instead of just people playing sure. the old-gen versions, other new systems and stuff. But... I mean, Emily, don't you have a Skyrim tattoo? I do, yeah. <laughs> I do. There it is. Sweet! <laughs> and on the sweet. other yeah, arm, I mean, do you want to reveal thing... your cyberpunk tattoo,
1: please? Yeah. Okay.
4: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think when Skyrim came out, I mean, remember 11-11-11 is 11, 11 when that game came out. Yeah. who can <laughs> That's forget? Right so, uh, you know, I think there weren't many games out like that then and i think now with cyberpunk there's like so many there have been so many amazing open world rpg experiences and skyrim was special for different reasons that cyberpunk can't measure up to even though i'm super excited about it and honestly i'm more almost more excited about the music Mm. um i think that's going to be amazing and i so can't wait to play it, but I, I don't know, man. I think there's something about Skyrim. Also, don't forget that people had had years invested in the store, in the lore, and like of Skyrim too. You know, but all the you... Morrowind <laughs> freaks, <laughs> freaks and all the Oblivion freaks. I mean that from a place of love and understanding.
0: Yeah, those you know, Morrowind degenerates. New. Yeah, yeah i mean to keep in mind i mean there's there's a cyberpunk tabletop crowd i mean it's kind of that similar fandom rolling in i guess in some way but i i'm just stunned by Fair. the expectations and the fandom around cyberpunk i know c project red they've had their stumbles for sure we can talk about it um but they have done such an amazing job at courting this kind of i don't know underdog gigantic underdog spirit amongst a lot of gamers and it's through things like having free upgrades to the next gen and stuff like that i feel like they've just had the gamer in mind for a lot of their decisions which is appreciated by this fandom which now has maybe turned in some ways uh in certain aspects of the internet because it can be a bit brutal for how much love there is for cd project red and cyberpunk in particular but uh kiernan robinson is getting into it saying, Hey y'all reading about all the backlash that Callie of GameSpot has received for her review of Cyberpunk 2077, which had some very valid points. And also the hate that Liana of Game Informer is getting for just warning people about the potential epilepsy issues that may, uh, they may face with the game. Why do you think that this has become such a big deal for folks considering most haven't played the game yet? Is it just the anticipation that is driving people crazy? I'm really looking forward to it and I'm sure it'll be a great game, but I can't understand why people are getting so worked up. It kind of sucks. Yes, it does. Um, it's tough. You know, there's a part of me that just wants to be like, ah, yeah. There's shitty people on the internet. You know, there's going to be a sliver of fandom for almost every game out there. Is it really worth acknowledging? But it does seem like there is a larger percentage of that pie with Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Is that just because the pie is so big? Because there's so many people looking forward to it?
3: Yeah. It it might it might be you know kind of based on the amount of hype that something gets yeah because it, it the other one that it reminds me of all the time is no man's sky which was also right. like people had such high expectations going into it that it seemed to be tapping deeper into into something that people have really pinned like some hopes and dreams onto these kind of games yeah uh, but it, it, but the weird thing is that the developers also get death threats just for delaying it. It's it's like this weird like we're going to defend this game to the death against people that we presume are trying to attack it for something, but then also we're going to attack the people making the game too if we have to wait a little longer to play it. I it's yeah. it's just it seems like a yeah. frenzy at this point.
5: Well, <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean something's to be said. Something that's maybe like. Been, you know slowly you know becoming maybe more, like worse and worse of an issue over like the past decade is like the general social media economy and like yeah. the attention economy and just like you know this general um sort of system that creates like okay like really flamboyant really like spicy takes are gonna get you like the most interaction um it's sort of like <laughs> it, it's it's you know it you get a lot of social sort of clout, you know, it's like, okay, I get 70 likes for saying something way more, you know, controversial. And so like, it's also, I think, you know, showing this like larger issue with Twitter as well.
0: Um, so it's just, yeah, people attacking will be like, well, I'm going to attack it in the most extreme way. I'm going to go after this reviewer just to get attention.
5: I mean, maybe, I don't know. It's like if people necessarily want I definitely have gone to some of these Twitter pages and see like, okay, like who's sending my friend death threats, you know, like what kind of person it is. And in some of those cases, yeah, it is people like, it definitely looks like a person who wants attention. Sometimes it looks like a bot. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then other times it's sort of like, I think that it's just so easy. There's like actually um, a really good sort of short book on this, but it's like kind of like a high that's just present in sort of, internet culture and I definitely do think it's worse in in games though um <laughs> like I mean if you look at sort of like the history of how these cultures were built up like that definitely doesn't bode well for you know where we are now like I feel like uh gamers have gotten so used to getting everything that they want there's a sort of or just fandom in general seems really entitled these days and i think that causes a lot of problems because it's not just in video games but
0: right right i mean you could go back to not that this is ancient history but i wonder how much i I always think of the mass effect 3 ending that's
4: exactly what i think of. oh
0: really in terms of just like all right there's an outcry on the internet and let's just cobble something together and get it out the door and like i visited i visited bioware you know four times but like, especially after that ending, I think it was like the Dragon, Dragon Age Inquisition cover story trip with Game Informer. It was, I cannot undersell how serious that was in the studio about just that really hurt the team. Like the reception and the hatred and the death threats and everything that they received for giving an ending to one of the greatest trilogies in all time in games, um, that hurt. It was a sensitive topic. Um, but they gave the fans what they wanted, and it's not like if they wouldn't have done that that there now there wouldn't be death threats flying around about cyberpunk, but it is just that dangerous, slippery slope about giving in to the loudest voices online. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, when I think about being angry about review scores, I think back to, oh yeah, I mean, when I was in high school and middle school, I absolutely was that person. Like, I literally wrote an email to Greg Kasavin, uh, who's now creative director over at Supergiant? You know, made Hades one of my favorite games of the year, and I wrote him an email when his review went live for Final Fantasy twelve because he gave it a nine out of ten. And this is before I had played the game, but I I sent him an email complaining that the that the score was so low, and he gave it a nine.
5: Yeah, well, uh-huh. I think I think you touch on a really important point: is that it sort of seems like game scores in general like another conversation is how inflated are game scores and like oh are we just gradually bringing them down it'd be really interesting to see over time like right what the average score is like maybe we're just used to getting to giving scores that are like you know not perfect and i think that that's fine and it's you know kind of more helpful because it's like okay well if everything's like a nine or a ten like what is that you know telling you well, um, so
0: so you think that game scores in general are going down with time and gamers just aren't used to I that
5: think- I think that that, I mean, I I don't know. I think that that would be something interesting to, to look at. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I think... Like, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think, like, GameSpot seems like it's had some pretty, kind of been on the lower end of the spectrum over the last couple years. And I'm curious, you know, why that is. And, every, you know, as always, Jeff, I'm, you reviewed games for 6,000 years. It's just, you got to remember... these reviews aren't sacred. It is one person playing a game and what they think about the game. And so everybody posting comparisons about like, oh, Fallout 4 was buggy and they gave it a nine. And then they said Cyberpunk was buggy and they gave it a seven. That's outrageous. Like, yeah, they're different people. You have different experiences every time you play a game, everybody. What do you want here? There's no no science. There's no math. It's, I like that game this much, I guess.
5: Well, and I really wish like as games media, we had a larger conversation about like, this sort of, um, this uh, false narrative of objectivity in games reviewing. Right. Like, we're going to get to better games reviewing. Like, the point is not to be like, oh, everyone has, like, an objective opinion. Like, our opinions are obviously, like, very informed by our personal experiences with other games, we've played, very subjective. But, like, it's not about, rem- you know, it's not about removing the subjectivity. It's about being, like, aware of it, right? And so I think maybe people haven't re- realized this before, that they're, like, actual singular voices who are who are writing these things
3: oh. yeah i i think all of that has is kind of touching on why i've i've kind of poo-pooed on the idea of review scores in general over the past well i guess year since <laughs> really since we started Minmax and it, yeah. it, it was it was kind of that was the genesis of really thinking about this because we had talked about how we would want to do reviews and what you know it was kind of just like a completely fresh clean slate to start with of like, what do we think is valuable and what's not? And it it's kind of, it made me really reevaluate, you know, the value of having review scores. And, and this, like I was at, I was at Game Informer for 10 years and I was the feedback guy for almost all 10 years. You know, I have, I had 10 years of reading letters from angry people writing in who just fundamentally didn't understand this idea of, Review scores are subjective and they're opinions, and we and at Game Informer we always kind of laughed at those people, and we would we would publish those letters saying "ha ha," this you know this person doesn't understand. They think it's subjective. but at some point you have to look at that and think like, well, what is going on here, and and why don't people understand this? And I I kind of think that review scores are fundamentally misleading because we think of numbers and scales as being an objective thing. You know, like if you're driving your car at 55 miles an hour, that's not an opinion like that. That is <laughs> that is a way that we measure things. That's yeah. that's how we usually use numbers. And it's, it's in rare in- instances like gymnastics in the Olympics or something where we start to fold in opinions into what these numbers represent. And I think as soon as you do that, People see a number and they think, I know what a nine is or what a nine should be, and this isn't they got it wrong, you mm-hmm. know? And and so now I'm gonna write them an angry letter and feel bad about it for twenty years like Correct. Hanson has. Yeah. Because because we we think these numbers are doing something that they're not actually doing.
5: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And another, I think important point to this is that like as the general body of games writing grows we're gonna get bunch like a bunch of different kinds of writing right and like I think for the longest time it like games reviews writing was dominated by this question should I buy this right but now it's like we're starting to get a wider body of work and we're getting more critics and writers who are sort of you know using games reviews for other purposes like okay like this is going to be a cultural analysis or this is going to help us like shed light on like the larger you know like inter ex piece of media right here and so Mm -hmm. it's like more like i guess like critical cultural criticism where the author's intent might not be like i don't want you to leave this thinking like oh this is not to tell you whether you should buy it or not it's just to read something good about this game that's like really rigorous Mm -hmm. um and so that there's tension there as well
0: i i get it I, i i love review scores i understand i think you're right jeff when it boils things down too much it's silly it implies objectivity and it's probably just me being old-fashioned but like i love memorizing review scores and having that frame of reference of just okay you can talk for a long time but what does that mean how good is this game okay here's a number there's a takeaway and maybe i just don't like reading and i just like looking at a quick number moving on but i understand that mentality of i like numbers and i don't want to click on a review and you know have people talking about larger cultural issues about just like is the game good or not in every every review doesn't need to be a feature i I understand that, but it's just when that then blossoms into, and therefore, I will find this person on Twitter and threaten their family. Like, that's the part where we got a problem here. So, Emily, how do we fix the um, internet?
4: <laughs> we remove all the stupid people. I'm okay, not sure great. Do yeah, do you want to hit that button for
0: us, please? We'd appreciate it. Um, Ricky Winterborn says with the cyberpunk embargo weirdness going on. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we can address that. I mean, they sent out review code to pretty select group of folks. They didn't send it out to influencers or it seems like, God, I don't think kind of funny got a code. We certainly didn't get codes for cyberpunk. Um, I think Easy Allies did. It seemed really scattershot and limited. They were really trying to contain this sucker because it's going to be buggy. Um, anyways, with the cyberpunk embargo weirdness going on, do you think companies have gotten too manipulative with their press strategies? Sony seems to have apexed the amount of hype possible by forcing press to follow staggered embargoes. First, you can talk about the controller, so everyone makes a video, then the menu, another round of videos. Does this frustrate you as content creators or is it beneficial? It's frustrating. Um I hate that shit, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it's frustrating, but um I don't know, maybe it's just we aren't as plugged in as we used to be about these trickling embargoes and stuff and you know, thanks to Patreon it's much easier for us just to be like whatever, we'll just talk about things when we get the things. <laughs> like we yeah. don't we don't need to be, you know, waiting for the next morsel to drop out of the feed.
3: Yeah, and and uh, along with that it's like They can they can make these frustrating embargoes, but they can't make you write those stories if you don't want to write those stories like you don't have to do a story just on the controller and then match it up with whatever their embargo is. And I I get that. Like you said, we we're we're in a good position where we don't have to worry about that as much as some other places. But I think every journalist has to kind of find that line and say, you know what, this is bullshit. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. this. I'll just wait and and make the content that I want to make and put it out there when I can.
0: Right, right. Um, but I think this ties I into... Guess I,
3: I guess I blame journalists more for that than I do the publishers. Like, if, if you're going to send out advanced code for a game, then you're within your right to put whatever dumb restrictions you think are going to help you. Yeah. But then, like... Every, everything else after that point is voluntary of whether you're going to jump through the hoops that they're putting out there. Do you remember that weird thing? Was it maybe two
0: years ago where Bethesda's like, we're not setting code ahead of time anymore? And everybody was outraged, rightfully, yeah. you know, as a real anti consumer move. But at the same time, it's like they were entitled to do that. I mean, they were right. They didn't need it to help with the sales. They'll let people get out there and explore the game on their own. And obviously, Consumers could use a heads up when something like Fallout 76 is coming their way, so it does have backlash. But I guess I'd imagine that that is just out the window now that they're part of Microsoft in particular. It's like, eh, I'd imagine Microsoft will want to get that review out to outlets earlier, even though uh, Bethesda still has their internal PR and marketing team. So maybe they still have enough sway. I mean, did, did that last long? Were I they not
3: sending out you they, know, like doom and stuff?
0: Yeah, earlier? I think they went back on it uh inch by inch, but it was certainly a sign of, you know, publishers can do whatever the hell they want and you can play ball Trying or something. not. But uh if you want yeah. that game early, you got to jump through those hoops. Um but yeah, I think this ties into also just the complete BS which is clearly insane of the de- uh developers and publishers patching in stuff after the fact. You know, it's like, oh, why are all these microtransactions being patched in about a month after the reviews go up? You know, and there was even a debate, I remember, amongst people online, like, oh, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. It's like, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's very clearly what they're doing. (laughs) Like, after Battlefront 2 exploded in a huge way because of those microtransactions, it's like, well, why take the risk? Let's just wait, and then we can patch in some BS microtransactions into Crash Team Racing, I think. Was that an example of it, I believe? But yeah, of course that's what they're doing is just trying to play the game the best that they can and press is trying to play the game the best that they can and sometimes it's anti-consumer and it's frustrating. Anyways, saying on a lighter note, Fred DeNova writes in, Emily, and says, uh, by the way, <laughs> I think this is a softball, so let me know if it's not. Fred DeNova writes in and says, we had a music-related discussion in the Discord today that you should chime in on. What kind of instrument is a piano? <laughs> it's a percussion instrument.
4: What? It's yeah, it's uh uh <laughs> um and I think it's considered that I mean obviously it's a keyboard instrument but keyboards are lumped in with percussion in, uh, in an orchestra. And I, I think it's because of the way the hammers hit the strings, but I could be wrong there. Wait a minute. Sense. Yeah.
5: Cause like xylophones are in the percussion section.
4: Yeah. All the, all like xylophone glockenspiel marimba vibes, all of that's in uh, chimes, all those struck, uh, kinds of toned instruments are a part of percussion as well. That is yeah. mind blowing.
0: I feel like that was the earliest fun fact I ever learned in my life was, you know, pianos are technically string instruments and that's not true.
4: Uh, no. Yeah. It's definitely not a string instrument. Cause I mean, I think that requires a bow or a pick maybe, well, like guitar, I guess you'd consider as a string instrument. Yeah.
0: So I, um,
4: yeah, it's it's considered a percussion, I,
0: b- I believe, yeah. Okay, sorry to put you on the spot, but... No, that's okay. No, no, I'd, no. I'd have to look it up now, but, but yeah. <laughs> you might have to look this up. When were pianos invented? It feels like they should have been invented in 1932 for how complicated they are. It's probably like 1412 or something crazy, right?
4: No, because there were harpsichords well into the 1700s, and so the the predecessor to the piano would be like a clavichord or a forte piano. And those kind of were around in the early, early 1700s and really kind of started taking over, uh, I'd say after 1750 kind of. So like the end of the Baroque era and into the classical era of music, then we're getting into instruments that sound less like a harpsichord, which is, those strings are plucked, right? So that's a, instead of a hammer hitting a string, like it's just how a piano operates in a harpsichord, the strings are plucked. And so like that transitioned to forte piano, which was a hammer type mechanism. And and then eventually the modern piano, but it took, it did take time. And, you know, so like when Mozart was writing, he was writing for like forte piano. So Mozart was alive until 1791. So seventeen fifty something ish okay he was born i can 't remember fifty six whatever so in that era, you know harpsichord was transitioning to piano, and then it started to sound a lot more like a piano, but they didn 't have eighty eight keys then either, so that that happened later as well, so it was just a kind of this slow evolution. It's such Sorry a Sorry for that thing. long answer. No, no, no that's fine. This is fine. so
5: much better than talking <laughs> about yeah. cyberpunk. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel happy uh, and relaxed right now. Yeah, Here <laughs> that's beautiful. Broke period,
0: awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Leica submits a comment and question saying, hey CLCs, or you, what you looking at? On that note, what game or media phrase do you constantly reference that people rarely understand?
5: Uh, well, just like talking to like you know my boyfriend and stuff a lot of times like i just use head and deck and be like why'd they write that deck that didn't make any sense that's just like oh, the sub headline and i guess that that's not like common knowledge
0: yeah that's good i uh last night i forget what i was talking about but i made some reference to like uh quality of life improvement mm-hmm. or something and like ui my girlfriend's like mm-hmm. that's weird what Like, what do you mean? Quality of life and UI. She's like, I've never considered the phrase quality of life applying to UI. I was like, that is that is what that phrase is for in my mind.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Embargo's another good one. Like Mm. people are like, what? What's an embargo?
3: Yep. Yep. Jeff, do you get one? I thought this was like stuff that like quotes and things from movies. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally works. Yeah. Oh, well, mine came from you, which is the I don't think show. Polly Hunter <laughs> from Incredibles. Yeah. Leave saving the world which, to the boys. Which just comes from sitting next to you for <laughs> years.
0: <laughs> Turns out people say the phrase, I don't think so. A lot. And you
5: can't. <laughs> I, that's a yeah. great meme though. <laughs> a
0: good one. Thank you, Anna. That's the greatest compliment ever.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he had said, <laughs> for today's regular uh, uh, segment of what's on TikTok, that sound <laughs> is very popular.
0: Uh, is it really? Uh, yeah, that
5: specific line.
0: Oh, real Oh, geez, I didn't know that the internet loved it as much as I did. All right, great. Perfect. <laughs> no, there you go. Isn't that isn't that weird, like what becomes memified Like I remember playing Star Fox 64 when it came out with a friend of mine, and him like, you know, a week after the game came out, being like, Do a barrel roll, do a ro-, and like joking <laughs> about that. And the fact that he could pick that out and that it would become such a huge thing it still blows my mind. They're like, it didn't stand out that much in that original game. It's so weird how memes just can emerge so quickly.
4: The one thing that I say all the time that just every once in a while, a a friend of mine who's not a gamer is like, what the hell? I I say OP a lot. Oh, sure. I'll be like, that's OP as fuck. She'll just be like, what
5: are you talking about? (laughs) Hoggers. Hoggers. Poggers, (laughs) Poggers, <laughs> I, love, I love gamer lingo. Like, can I say like I un I unironically like gamers
2: speak. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. Okay,
0: that's allowable. Okay, okay. Um, you're on a video game podcast. <laughs> uh, my name is Dan. right in and says, "What is the hardest boss you fought this year, or what was your favorite boss fight this year?" My real one. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh I, I, I think of uh I'm kinda stuck a little bit in Yakuza like a dragon, and not in the spot that everybody says that I should be stuck in, but before that, but I'm fighting like a um wrecking ball in that game, like 20 or so hours in. Do you know this spot, Anna? Okay, there's a couple different like construction things that you fight, which is very funny overall in that game, just to beat up a crane. Uh But I am just having such a terrible time with it, and I think I just switched jobs to everybody's, like, lower level than they should be and stuff. And so I went, and I'm trying to grind in this dungeon. But as much as I love Yakuza, like, it's a little bit rough structurally as an RPG. And so there's this dungeon you can go into to grind, but there's no way back out of it. So, you, well, eventually there is, right? But where you start, you can't go back, and now there's just, like, impossible... Well, for me, impossible enemies at the end before the exit. And so I'm just stuck in this loop from hell. And so last night I just had to like give up on hours of grinding because I just couldn't get past the final barrier. That's it. As much as I love Yakuza, um, it's a little sticky at points. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Does anybody else have a boss this year that stands out?
3: Uh, I don't know how far I am in Hades yet, but the... The worm, the worm boss. Oh, the bone like hydra 50 heads that you, that, that one was giving me, I, I have beaten it once or twice now, but having to go th- through that entire grind every time. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's the one that I get to and it's like, uh, it's still pretty iffy when I get to him. I hate to tell you this, Jeff, um, but just you wait, buddy, you'll be
0: begging for the bone hydra. I'm not that much further um. than you. <laughs> um, uh, Blake Berber says, I've been a Game Pass subscriber for a little while and while the service is awesome, awesome, I have started to see a troubling issue. Similar to Netflix overload, my emotional buy-in has become so low since I'm not purchasing these games directly that I don't continue playing games that don't grab me in the first few hours. Do y'all feel like this is an issue with Game Pass? Would a different model be better for people like me? Uh, like Audible, you'll get a certain amount of downloads per month with a tiered plan. Is Game Pass devaluing games?
5: I mean... I mean it's interesting to look at other models of this right so like I I who knows you know like it's hard to say because like I think a lot of it is really individualized like different developers like they can get so for example like you know like a signing bonus for like signing on to like a specific platform and then they get compensated for that like from Xbox or Microsoft and so like it can be case by case like whether or not it's worth it to like a small indie developer yeah um but I mean you know like games in general are probably like devalued right this is part of a longer conversation larger conversation but i imagine that that's not you know if you can get whatever you want for free and just play it that's not really you know helping that <laughs>
0: or seemingly for free i do think i do think there is a mentality of ah i'll just wait for that to hit game pass oh. i think that that's pretty pervasive at this point um cuz i think God, I just saw some stats today, I believe, about how Game Pass, I think, has doubled the subscriber base since last year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Backstage Pass, but something like that. I mean, it is getting to the point where it's just, well, if you play games, it's stupid not to just have this ready to go. And then at that point, how many games are you going to end up buying that year? Probably not too many.
3: Yeah, it's tough. But specifically to what he's talking about, though, I guess, like, a long time ago, I kind of got out of that mentality of, like, because i put money into a game i'm going to keep on playing it like that that isn't an incentive for me anymore even when i do buy a game yeah i, I still drop off of games very quickly so i don't know that i do that all the time i, I mean I, yeah. I i guess if it, i guess that could be you know in his case a reason you know game pass is the reason for that happening but i feel like that's kind of also something that a lot of gamers will eventually transition too, because I I think when you're a teenager, like that is definitely a thing of like I bought this game. It's a piece of crap, but I spent fifty dollars on it, so I'm yeah. going to keep on playing it. And at some point, you get you get to the point where it's like now now the value is my hours of time that I actually have that I can put into games, and I'm less concerned with what I paid for it as opposed to how I'm spending my time.
4: Yeah, yeah, time is not money. <laughs> Time is not money, it's a very different commodity.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, sincerely Eric, hey everybody, I was wondering, can you please show us your pets and tell us their names please, or share Maybe. a favorite pet memory?
5: If you want, I could literally grab him. He's asleep in the background. Yeah, and just, I can go
0: grab her. Yeah. Okay. All right. you're uh, gonna, and while gonna you, love this. While everybody goes and grabs their cats, uh, Jeff, what's your favorite
3: pet memory? <laughs> oh boy um pets growing up that i yeah we've we've always had well we've had dogs but my dad uh was a veterinarian and so we always had a bunch of weird animals like we had a pigeon for a long time that, what? that someone just brought in with a because it had a broken wing and so even after even after it healed like he couldn't he was he was an indoor pigeon at that point you know like he couldn't get released <laughs> how long wild. did you have a pet pigeon uh that that was a long time. That was probably like ten years because they Whoa. they live a surprising, surprisingly long time. Wow. But we had rabbits and all kinds of weird animals. We had rats. Really?
0: Right, Just Noah's Ark? Is where you grew up? Yep, pretty
4: much. Yeah. She wants down, so I'm probably gonna put her down pretty quick. But this is June.
0: <laughs> Hello, June. <This> <laughs> Smothering the microphone, but beautiful for the audio listeners. It's it's she's, as beautiful a as a tub. lion.
4: She's a tub. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> she's really sweet though. She loves. She's in she comes outside, and we have bonfires in the back, and she'll just come and hang out, and it's pretty oh, fun. Oh, that's awesome. Let's see the baby that Anna has.
5: Uh, so he's like. I feel kind of bad for him because he was just sleeping, but he's a good boy. Um, this is okay is pepe pepe um mm. he is not named after the meme he is named after the pasta <laughs> dish that's good um <laughs> and um we adopted him his name was sergeant phoenix beforehand
0: well, that's pretty cool um,
5: which we changed unfortunately um i'm S- sorry buddy sergeant phoenix hard. rising
2: yeah right yeah, did
0: it first. <laughs> All these cats are um, miserable. They don't want to be shown yeah,
2: yeah. on camera. <laughs> that,
4: June that's... just took the opportunity to go over to her dish and eat a few more. Oh, perfect. Dots, as I call them, little round nuggets of food.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. And, yeah, Leo's cats are always jumping in camera. It's nice. It's nice to have a dynamic background like that. I just got Christmas <laughs> I was talking lights. to
5: Leo um, before one of the uh, goate streams. And we like just we just check in on each other's cats whenever <laughs> we do a goate stream. And he was like, Yeah, my youngest has been keeping his <laughs> like, he's talking about, you know, like a human, but it's a cat.
0: They think they're people. Yeah. Richard McLaughlin says, Hey cohorts, last week uh, during Get A Load of This, you talked about Xbox running emulators. As an Xbox developer, oh, with Oppo Switch. Uh, I thought it'd answer some of your questions. Is it easy to switch between modes? Yes. It just requires a reboot between either dev mode or retail mode. Will you get banned? I'd say no. While running in dev mode, you can't run any retail games or apps. It's not a cheating loophole. It's a way for developers to run and test their own code. If you choose to install emulation software, you accept the risk of installing non-retail software. If you're new to emulation, don't start with your Xbox. Just start with a Raspberry Pi. Very sage advice, but cool. Thanks for the research. Uh, Jonathan Anderson, uh says uh per the cannibalism discussion last week do your significant others and or family members listen to the show on a weekly basis and if so how many are concerned now um yeah emily this is normally a cannibalism podcast it's rare that we're talking about video
3: games for the full show jeff has your wife ever listened to this podcast uh I th- I think probably like the first episode and that was enough for her. Yeah, she she actually she she watched enough of our early videos to point out that you will play with your beard a lot. Oh, yes. Well, ha, as ha, you can ha. tell
0: that's why I have so many things to play with like this ball mm-hmm. and then a bunch of coins cuz I need something to fidget with and Yeah. Yeah, she um, said that, that was very
3: yeah. annoying. But
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Over my voice. Wow, <laughs> that's surprising.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> I uh,
0: I just get the feedback Amazing. where like my family when I first started doing, I guess, the min-max stuff in particular, I guess going back to Game Informer, but I got a surprisingly similar message from a lot of my family, which is they would check it out every once in a while. And for multiple people, they would say, I was really bracing it for it to be terrible and embarrassing. And it and it wasn't that bad. That's the takeaway is like, we thought this was going to be you mumbling into a mic for a couple wow. hours. But like, there nice. are times when you sound like a real broadcaster. So, oh, Thanks for the support. Yeah, no, I really love family. it. That's nice. Yeah. Emily, do you have a lot of fans that listen that are also friends and family and all that stuff? My
4: parents, like my parents, at, no, they never listen to my, they'll listen to me on the radio in the morning, but sure. they don't listen to my podcasts at all. I do have a podcast where I have a co-host and her family listens and all her friends listen and I've got friends that listen to the podcast too, but not family. Yeah, it's weird.
0: It's weird. <laughs> It keeps us all humble, though. Really, that's right. That's right. They'll really tear you down. Anna, (laughs) anybody in your life that listens?
5: Um, my mom is like really sweet. She she definitely watches every episode of Refreshed, and then she'll listen to some of them in Mac Show. And then, like, it's really cute. Like, um, I have a younger brother who like is on like a league team. And they stream and she watches all of his games, which I think is really cute.
1: Oh, wow. Uh,
5: So she's like very supportive. She just like wants to be like, yeah, like video games. Like this is an okay thing for you to do (laughs) because so many people are like, what is what is this?
0: (laughs) You have to grow beyond Pikachu at some point in your life, Anna.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. Okay, I I disagree.
0: That's true. Uh, Timmy D says, firstly, a huge thank you to the MinMax community for how much love they've shown the Synced Up podcast, which was a sponsor last month. Thank you to the Synced Up podcast. Uh, go over and send them some nice words. Um, my question is in regard to the recent Nintendo controversies between shutting down the Smash Brothers Melee tournament, uh, the Big House, shutting down the U.S. Open Splatoon stream because the top teams changed their names to support Melee, shutting down Eticon's, the custom Joy-Con company who raises money for mental health in gaming and memory of etica and now finally blocking complete soundtracks for ocarina of time mario 64 mario kart wii and many others where is the line between morality and legality when it comes to these issues is there a way we can hold nintendo accountable for these decisions and how much do we and how do we keep people from forgetting about it once nintendo announces another smash character it's a lot of stuff a lot of anger towards nintendo these days i do do you have thoughts on this one
5: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on the episode of Refresh when I was talking to those um, Smash uh, community organizers, or tournament organizers, and, you know, it's, you know, even from them, they recognize, they're like, look, like, we, when you look at the number of people who have bought Smash, we're such a small portion of that consumer base, Mm -hmm. like, we don't expect Nintendo to pay attention to us or to cater to us, because, like, there's, like, an understanding that it's kind of, like, it's it's pretty niche. Um, and so, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, we have to acknowledge, you know, Nintendo can do with its products what it wants. And Nintendo's always been pretty, you know, um, specific about how it wants its characters to see and how it wants its uh, intellectual property to be seen. And so, you know, like, it's is it the best thing for fostering fan community and fan-made stuff? Like, no. Um, probably not, but you're, so you're not going to get as many like fan made things, right? Like the joy cons, like the edit, the edit cons. Um, but like, I don't, I think it's fine, especially if you have a company that markets to kids, you probably want to really aggressively control what surrounds your brand and what people use your games for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's frustrating for sure. MLA has a question and I'll just aim this directly at Jeffem like a laser rifle. MLA asks, would you accept $2,000 right now in return for being cursed to always accidentally drop the shampoo every time you're in your shower for the rest of your life?
3: No. Yeah. You gotta bump it up for a curse, for Christ's sake. Uh, Okay. It could, it could, I could, eventually I would die, right? Because I would (laughs) slip on shampoo sooner or later mm, but if you could time it
0: correctly so you wouldn't be stubbing your toes on it you would you'd like be jumping out of the way every time for
3: two thousand dollars i know
0: i know and jeff always says this he he's two thousand yeah. okay, dollars what about what about 20
3: 200 hundred thousand. you would drop your if shampoo you're, if you're going to curse me if i'm going to accept a curse for the rest of my life yeah it's got to be six digits all right,
0: six digit curse. That's his motto. He has the license plate to prove it. <laughs> I mean it would just feel weird to be cursed too. I wouldn't like it. Um you know uh, how many times you're gonna shower
4: too before now and the end of time. Ideally, thousands, right? So it's just like, no. Has you gotta give me more than a dollar per shower or something like that if yeah. I'm really I, dropping the shampoo every okay, freaking time. Hear
5: me out though, hear me out. What if this just pushes you? to become like a really nice bubble bath kind of person. Like, doesn't that sound nice?
0: Well, it's in the fine print, but if you take a bubble bath, then it rains full shampoo bottles on your head. (laughs) So it seems
5: uncomfortable. The corners are just like hitting your head. I
0: was thinking about, you know, how many times I've showered in my life and hopefully how many times I can shower. Oh, I pray I can keep showering for thousands of times. But Jeff, have you ever thought about counting how many times your kid does something? Because you're at like the starting line. Jeff has a new kid, Emily. Um, yeah, you oh, can count true. how many showers that kid takes, how many pizzas that kid eats, which I know is something you've done before personally. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't you want, and like save that data, you creep till they're like 18. And then be like, by the way, <laughs> sell
3: it. Yes. Yeah. Sell it to Google. Yeah. I'll, I'll just wait until Google's tracking that stuff for us anyway. <laughs> yeah. because, because actually we do, we do have like a, a feeding journal because you have to write down, you know, like how often they're eating and like when they're eating and things like that. Yeah. And it's, it's impossible. Like (laughs) we're both so sleep deprived that it's like, okay, we haven't Mm -hmm. written anything down for eight hours. And then you're just like fudging the books. (laughs) It like, like, like I'm, j- I'm cooking the books here. Just like, well, we probably fed him at four, and then again at six. I don't, I don't know. It looks good if I write this down. You gotta stop feeding your baby fudge, Jeff. It's not what babies should be eating.
0: Hey, he's not complaining.
1: <laughs> All fudge
3: diet.
0: Uh, Nick L, what is the video very bathroom themed episode? Um, what is the video game equivalent of watching a plugged-up toilet fill with water and praying it doesn't overflow?
5: A uh, cyberpunk discourse. No!
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is, long
4: cutscenes, just any game with a long cutscene, I'm going to hate immediately.
0: And so that's that feeling of like, oh my god, this could get bad. Is, yeah. I'm, yeah, so it's specifically the emotions, which... God, if I had a nickel... Uh, for every time I was watching a toilet slowly fill and just praying, <laughs> praying to God it doesn't overflow. Interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I
0: feel like that's at least twenty percent of my life. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the cutscenes thing, but it's it's that feeling in a game of oh my god, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Oh crap, it happened.
2: And
5: um, hmm. oh, I see. I was yeah. playing yeah. Age of Calamity and ran into like a game breaking bug where oh, I had played God. through like yes. a 30 minute long level almost or maybe like 20 minutes through a level and I just watched Mifa slowly get killed like by like these low tier Moblins. Moblins.
0: I think whatever. you're right. You know what it is? It is that feeling of like <laughs> like the weird hitch and it's like is the game going to get out of this or not? Yeah, and you're just waiting, oh, and it's yeah. like, oh my god, no, it's it's fully broken. I'm gonna have to do a hard reset on this sucker. That is that is the toilet filling up with poo poo and pee pee.
2: <laughs> pee pee,
0: poo poo. <laughs> Sorry. I... Anyways, hyperlight blossom. Uh, what's the... Anna, what, what was that? Why did you just?
5: I'm sorry. I'm I'm in a mood today. I don't know what it is. It must be
0: the caffeine. Yeah, blame it. Blossom says, what's the underdog in the industry you're rooting for? For Kyle, I'd imagine it's Stadia. (laughs) Yeah, that underdog Google. Um, For me, it's it's (laughs) Uh Anthem Next with the circumstances at Bioware. I hate when topics like these or Fallout 76 or Avengers come up and people hurl insults. It was funny the first time, but ideally, shouldn't we want everything to succeed? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's... Ugh, it's rough when these games just become a punchline about like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, anthem, waka waka. Um, yeah, the biggest underdog in the industry you're rooting for. Does anybody have any thoughts on this the one? Consumer, I think. Yeah, I guess so. When you deal <laughs> with some of these companies,
4: I feel that way I'm like, you know, just leave us all in the dust with your thousand dollar VR setup and
0: <laughs> all yeah. that. It's like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the one-two punch of get a new TV, get a new console. I, I mm-hmm. guess Underdog, it's any big indie still going for it that hasn't been gobbled up at this point, and specifically Harmonix. I'm always rooting for Harmonix. Just, God, if they could just get that Fortnite-level success. Imagine if they just had a hit that was a fraction of like what Epic pulled off with Fortnite and just knowing God. in a safe way that Harmonix is going to be around. Oh, it'd be so refreshing. But even companies like Remedy, like any... Any big indies that are, you know, have a lot of mouths to feed, that's probably the wrong analogy, but, you know, for the developers still working there and just praying they can
3: connect the next
0: big project.
3: I'd say any little indie, when it's like, (laughs) you know, one person making a game that, you know... They're putting all this time into it, and they don't actually—they don't really have to sell that many for it to be a success and like to really launch a career out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's—it's it's that matter of I'm going to make this, and then I'm going to release it into the ocean of other indie games on these platforms, and just hope enough people see it and you know like get it bumped up in Steam's algorithm or or right. in, you know like the Nintendo Switch store or whatever. Like, those are the guys that I hope. Mm-hmm. I hope. Have a chance.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like Rich McLaughlin with Oppo Switch, or even, you know, right. um, Charles McGregor with Hyperdot, which is a game, you know, we all like. Yeah. And it's nominated for a Game Award for Christ's sake. And it's still like Amazing. not that many Steam reviews. Like it's still shocking that, like, even with all that, it's like, please check out mm-hmm. Hyperdot. It's cool. Um, Greg Lovell says, Hey, everybody, you mentioned board games on minfax and given here in the UK, we're also stuck at home over Christmas. Can you recommend some? Don't spoil any Christmas surprises you might have planned, but a few hints about games to play with the family. Ten and seven-year-olds, Jeffem. Um, or just for me and the Ten. wife would be appreciated.
3: Ten and seven-year-olds. Yeah, that's Dude, tough.
4: Yahtzee all day. Oof. Yahtzee all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day. I'm not yep. going to Yahtzee get out some Settlers of Catan. Maybe not for the seven-year-old, but I'm just saying. That's Yahtzee good.
0: Yahtzee and some poker.
2: <laughs> Wait, you just keep throwing in more games. <laughs>
0: uh yeah 10 and 7 i mean there's the pokemon tabletop game which i will defend the master trainer i think it's really good but i don't know jeff do you have any good kids games something like sushi go sushi party that'd be all right
3: right yeah um i i don't know if we've talked about it before but ice cool is a is a fun game for kids because it's a it's a dexterity game where you're kind of flicking these little Penguins, which are kind of like weebles, you know, they're mm. they kind of nice. have a ball bearing in them. Uh and that's I think that would be goofy enough and lighthearted enough for kids. But for for other like Christmas games that you're gonna play with adults, I always think like the code names level yep. of you know, can support like a big group of people or just one that we've talked about a million times, like we My wife and I did play just one last year during Christmas with all of her siblings and stuff. And that's a nice nice low level one where people don't have to focus too much. But that is a good one for the family or even I think something like concept work worked with
0: like my younger nephews where you're just like describing these concepts. That's still one of my favorite games. Um, Bo Bakken has an interesting one saying, dearest. Oh, boy. dearest sir baron toot and the mucklucks you got us my eight-year-old daughter has been telling me how she and her classmates play a version of among us during recess and i think it's kind of awesome they line up with their eyes closed and a teacher pats one on the head quietly choosing an imposter then as they walk around the playground the imposter kills by sticking their tongue out at someone without anyone else noticing (laughs) the murdered kid has to immediately fall to the ground until someone else notices which of course triggers a voting meeting on who's the imposter that is such a fun idea. Yeah, because that killing thing is tough. Like, how do you simulate that? And that tongue move, I think, is a really smooth idea. Uh, hang on, Ray Loaza says I played this as a kid. So this
5: mafia, mafia is a game that exists. That's what among us is based. Well, yeah, I
0: know, but is this how you killed in mafia? Was sticking out your tongue? No. I've never played like no. the original mafia. I've just played Avalon and stuff like that. But
5: but I don't you know, close I like your eyes. There's like paper voting. Right. Point. There's like usually like a person, like a cognizant, like someone who is leading it, like a dungeon master.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that, that checks out. Uh, Donnie says, hey, friends, what's something you learned about yourself this year? For myself, I've had to come, with terms, come to terms with the fact that I don't always handle isolation as well as I think. And I've had to find new ways to occupy, occupy my time outside. Video games haven't been enough, so I've gotten into painting minifigs and I've even been writing a novel. My God, it's been a challenging year, but I'm glad to say I've found some ways to grow. Something you've learned about yourself this year? I
4: don't even know where to start with something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. I think probably just that I—I I have my limit. <laughs> Like, in my mind, I'm always like, I'm fine just getting depressed by myself and just playing games for way too long in isolation. And then this year's, like, the, specifically, like, the last month. I talked about it on our show, Better Quest, but it's just kind of my breaking point of, like, all right, I'm ready to scream. Let me out. I've, I've hit my limit. I thought I was, you know, inf- like, I had infinite uh, patience in this arena, but not quite. Uh, Jeff, I might imagine it's just uh, a full book's worth here with having a kid
3: yeah um that i'm capable of being a father and also that i like being a father i guess would be what were you most worried about that's been relieved in your mind um i I mean i i think we talked about it briefly before but just the idea of like that oh my god moment like i'm totally enamored with this kid and whether that actually exists or whether i would feel that and when i did it it was a relief because you gotta go through a lot of <laughs> when you're taking care of a kid but you know like every time i look at him, i'm still happy to do it so that's very sweet
0: how really many would. how many parents do you think feel nothing are you just a sociopath at that point or do you think there are good-hearted people that aren't sociopaths that have a kid and just have that feeling of oh my god i'm yeah. not feeling as much as i expected
4: i think that's probably more common than we think but yeah i don't know yeah i read a lot of advice columns it's one of my guilty pleasures so some of them are parenting columns which is funny because i'm not i don't have children nor will i but it's just like it's a strange thing that i think happens to some people yeah
0: what uh what do you get out of reading all those
4: uh not no answers <laughs> No, it's weird. I think, I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people like to read them. And I think sometimes it's just comforting to read about other people's struggles and problems. You know, it just helps you to realize like, oh, I've had a similar issue like that.
2: Mm -hmm. And
4: sometimes it's fun to see the same people write into different columns or the same questions kind of, and how different columnists answer, especially how I think columns have changed over the last decade. Like I could go on and on. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, that's fair. It's
4: like one of the things I do to pass time sometimes at work, I guess.
0: Yeah. Hey, I think it's time for something uh, we like to call... Wait, no, it's not time for that yet. We need to figure out what our question of the week is. I might have
4: to go. I'm so sorry (laughs) to, to duck out, but is it okay if I sneak out?
0: Yeah, but you have to help us choose the question of the week.
4: Oh. I liked the question about... Probably yes, the underdog question.
0: The underdog question. Uh, question.
4: Yep. All right. That's a good question. Yep.
0: <laughs> Everybody signing off on underdog question?
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations to, of course, Hyperlight Blossom. Uh, we will ship you out uh, the Watam soundtrack. Speaking of underdogs, uh, phenomena that studio that developed Wattam. Okay. Nice. Uh, Emily, thank you for joining us and uh, talking thank a whole lot so about much. music. We appreciate it. Um, what would a you pleasure. like to? What would you like to plug?
4: Um, Please check out both of my podcasts, Level with Emily. You can find us at levelwithemily.com. Also Patreon, Podbean, iTunes, all of that. Um, If you're into video games, which you probably are. Uh, The other podcast I do is called Scores and Pours, and it's about classical music and wine and beer and spirits, because my co-host is an expert sommelier, and she's awesome and super fun and... I love things now for drinking that I never thought I would love, and I've learned a ton, which has been super fun. So we have a lot of fun with that. Um, And again, that's called Scores and Pours. So two podcasts, check them out. I'm on the jazz station every morning here in Minneapolis from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And we will be releasing Half-Life Alex Project someday, I promise. (laughs) It's the Half-Life
0: 3 of your podcast. It is coming at some point.
4: (laughs) In true valve fashion, (laughs) it will get, it will happen. Perfect.
0: Emily, Uh, thank you for lending us your expertise. We appreciate it.
4: Thank you all very much. I love you very much. Thank you. And uh, do I have to
0: clap myself out? Yes, legally and scientifically you have to clap out. Okay, here we go. Poof. All right. Now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Jeff, um, I want you to wow us.
3: Uh get a load of this. I don't know if it's going to wow you. I'm I'm not legally obligated to wow anyone. <laughs> uh but there there there's a new documentary series on Netflix. It's not very good, I'll say that up front. Great. But it's love the it. Christmas movies that we grew up on or love or something like that. It's kind of ba- it's like a riff off of their toy documentary oh, okay, yeah. series that they did. Uh but one interesting tidbit from it was the one of the episodes is on Elf and they were talking about like it's it's actually pretty interesting the entire series of or the entire story of how that how they actually made that show. But John Favreau, the director of it, was super insistent on all of the all of the scenes that where Will Ferrell is interacting with the Elves. He was insistent on he didn't want to use CG for any of that. And so they're all forced perspective shots. And and so basically they would they would have to like build up a scene and the set so that Will Ferrell was closer to the camera and everyone else was farther back in order to make it look like everyone else was really small in it's the perfect. scene. Perfect. Practical effects, baby. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and the, you know, the director of photography or whatever on it said that no one has done these kind of shots for like 50 years. So they had to learn how to do them all like as they were going. And so like, as an example, like the scene where, uh, Will Ferrell's sitting on Bob New Hope's lap, you know, yeah. Bob Newhart kid, because he's his father, whatever. Like they had, they had a kid with, you know, like a four-year-old kid sitting on a chair and like laying back on on like a board that went behind him. And Will Ferrell was sitting on top of his legs. And then Bob Newhart was sitting like 10 feet behind oh, him weird. in his own chair. And they just lined up the camera so that it looks like he's sitting on that. And they, they show a couple different examples like that. But they said that when when they started the first scene that they tried to set up like that, it took them all day to set up and they didn't actually get anything filmed so they had to go and hire an entire second production crew who would come in at night and would spend all night setting up the n- scenes for the next day for them to shoot these absurd shots so they said there were like 45 different shots that they had to do this forced perspective optical illusion stuff for
0: that's crazy
3: and so that's that is worth watching the entire episode for just for those you know, and, behind the scenes examples. It's crazy
0: to think of Jon Favreau to go from like insisting on practical effects to now being the showrunner and writer for Mandalorian, where it's just like there's, they're just sitting in front of a giant TV screen to film yeah. every scene in that show almost. It's crazy. Well, um, what are
3: you going to do? People, people change. That's right. Anna. He, he's he's taking the full George Lucas arc there of that's directing. Right. That's right.
0: Anna. Uh,
5: I got um, someone animated a Discord argument uh, as a Phoenix Wright scene. And so it's a Discord argument between who would win a fight between a gorilla and a bear. And it's just like a long, like written out, like as if it were programmed, you know, as if it were to take place in a Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney game. Yeah. Um, with all the sound progression and everything. it's and, perfect. Like, it's incredible. It's really fun and cute. Who wins? Uh you
0: have to watch the film. Oh my God, there's links below, <laughs> killing it there you go. Hey, get a load of this, everybody. Um, there is uh, the cap or the yeah Capcoms, not Capcoms. The Monster Hunter movie is apparently coming out next week, and the director, uh, our dear friend who also developed uh, directed the Resident Evil movies, Paul Ws Anderson. He said that the idea of having the military be a focus and how the start of the film is there actual members of the military that go to the monster hunter world apparently that came from metal gear he said quote i was very influenced by a crossover monster hunter had done with metal gear solid this is great imagery to juxtapose a man with a machine gun against the creatures so it's bizarre that the framing of the monster hunter movie came from portable ops and metal gear but of course everything's connected um, do you have one from the community, from the wonderful Discord? I do. Do
3: Get a load of this. This one is from Dylan uh, in the community, and it is a YouTube video by Eric Elliott, and it's the title is What It's Like to Be a Computer in Interview with GPT-3, and basically it's like an interview that a guy does with the leading edge of an artificial intelligence system. and And so he, like would type in the text, the text would come back, they would run that through an avatar system that creates a very scarily looking actual human being and they have an entire conversation back and forth. And uh, it's just an interesting look at how far that technology has gone and how it will destroy Saul one day. That sounds great. Probably sooner than you think. Perfect. Speaking of
0: sooner than you think, uh, we have um, the MinMax Awards coming up Next week, the rest of December is going to be a lot of debates about the games of 2020 here in this podcast feed. We'd always appreciate the help sharing the show. Next week, we're having the Max Awards, which are all of our categories. And then for our top 10 games of the year, technically two 10s is how we rank these. uh, Those episodes are going to be the 24th and the 31st. So the rest of the month is going to be a lot of awards and debates. And then we'll let the community give their feedback and share their communal top 10 games of the year list. That'll be January 7th on that episode. So uh, ask us in the discord or on Twitter, if you have any more questions about how we're going to structure stuff uh, this year, but it should be a fun time. Also um, you can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash show. I was streaming myself playing Hades the other day um, and Anna, you were thinking about streaming some Ori.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be um, streaming Ori on Friday, Friday afternoon. Right, I think we said about yeah. 3 p.m. It'll be a nice lazy afternoon. Love to hang out with folks, so come mm-hmm. through.
0: Yeah, follow us on Twitch. Also, people in the backstage pass. Uh, Ray Luaza mentioned that it was Peace Walker, not Portable Ops, with the Monster Hunter crossover. I'm sorry, Ray Luaza, I think you're right. Um, hey Anna on Slack, I sent you um, yeah. all of our wonderful $50 supporters. Do you want to read down that sucker?
5: Yeah, let's do it. Ah, thanks to all the following Patreon supporters for their generous support of MinMax at the $50 tier. Get your name. Oh, <laughs> get your name right here. All right. Thank you too. I'm gonna try to do the it in one breath.
2: Okay.
5: Prettygoodprinting.com. Rich McLaughlin's office switch being down. Brian. I am Aput, this week in video games. You are hello. Uh, Mirko, Erico, Torreno, Chris Logan, uh, Zachary Pledge, Pledge Rebecca Lang, Mark <laughs> Seliga, Starkiller, Ludwig Roque, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hoster. Uh, euro spiral in your eyes richard smuts clint farley pretham you clayton myers da- spider dan zach eink uh steve Bamdad, and slick nick thank you so much <laughs> that's awesome hard. it's that's there's a, a
0: lot that's of an undervalued job hey thank you yeah there's a lot of letters in there thanks to all of yeah. our supporters we appreciate it and we'll see you next week for the big MinMax max awards debate be good have fun let's go